we've done two video game retrospectives in the past, Borderlands and Animal Crossing. In this episode, we're taking a look at another heavyweight game franchise, the Big Daddy from Irrational Games that is Bioshock. Hello and welcome to another episode of Octal FM. I'm Gelada. And I'm Sefran. And today we are doing another retrospective where we break down a, a series of games and sort of look at some of the history and the influences and also what they influence and sort of like where they fit in. The last one we did was... Well, the last one we did was a long one, right? And it was Animal yeah. Crossing over two episodes. And also we've talked about Borderlands before as well. And this time we are talking about another uh, sort of cross-platform um, first-person set of games. Mm. Uh, and that is Bioshock. Mm, yeah, this was uh, this was your idea. I didn't, I didn't think about Bioshock, actually, but it's a good I, shout because yeah. it has quite a distinct history to it. Yeah, I don't know why it came to mind particularly. Um, I'm not like the world's biggest Bioshock fan or anything. Um, I think I must have just... Maybe I saw something about Bioshock or, mm. I don't know, was like trying to think of like series of games that are particularly interesting in some way. It's also kind of interesting because it's relatively short as a game franchise in inverted mm, commas, right? Yes. In the sense that like there are only really three. Uh, there's the things that it influences and there's bits of DLC and stuff like that. But And there's not like a Bioshock 4 on the horizon. It's not like Assassin's no. Creed where there's just like perpetual games right all over the place. Which in fairness makes it for a far more enjoyable series as a whole because it's mm. a lot more condensed version of what it wants to be rather than it then being spread out over the course of 10 years and 10 games or something yeah which is actually you can see that happening in between one and two right and we'll get to that but mm. yes yeah because yeah, that yeah. was sort of what happened there um but it's an interesting story and the games themselves are all pretty interesting in their own right as well uh so we thought we'd break it down uh it's going to be a shorter one it's not going to be a two-parter like animal crossing <laughs> was um there's not no, as many it. games in this series to talk about but we we wanted to talk about uh like you say the games that inspired it first and mm. the people that made it because i feel it's an interesting story like you you think of the people that make sort of like you know these big well-known video games as being very well known very influential they they've you know done loads of things beforehand but although the creators of the of, of bioshock uh, irrational games had made things before they weren't really the biggest studio ahead no. of time no they like the developers irrational games like they were it's a little almost like a bit of a one trick pony studio mm. and also they don't exist anymore like they've disbanded and reformed there's a lot of sort of like movement um, mm. It was originally from like a group of people from another studio as well. And originally Bioshock, right, was like, were they Irrational Games when Bioshock, when it was Bioshock? So technically speaking, they weren't. They were considered 2K Boston. Right. 
because the publisher 2K or was it Take Two at that point or was it the way around? Oh God! Um, whichever way around that is, those that 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 publisher uh, kind of insisted that they become 2K Boston for the creation and release of Bioshock, despite the fact right. that they were like always irrational games. And then later on, when they developed Bioshock Infinite, they were irrational games. So mm. I think that's maybe just a little bit of like no, your hours sort of thing, mm. which kind of worked, I guess, because like even now it's sort of. 2K Boston made Bioshock, which is it's, like probably the most important of the three games. It's one of those things, isn't it, where like there's there's a few cases in the in the video game world of these sort of like mixes of little studios all under one name or mm. like I'm also thinking about things like like Ubisoft. I know that they they do mm. like they they are all Ubisoft, like Ubisoft Montreal and what and Ubisoft Paris and things like that. But like it's that kind of example. Like these are sort of that ex- that use of a one big name to actually describe potentially very different studios yes you know and really all it's just like groups of people or like you know offices of people and they're making their own game and they're sort of they're relatively separate banner. from one another but they're yeah. just sort of like yeah sort of under one banner of a publisher or something yeah uh, i mean i noticed this mostly when i was uh, following the development of both Mass Effect and Dragon Age at the same time. Right. Because I was like, how are Bioware making two games at once? And then you realise, like, although it is still Bioware, they're like it's, like you say, different teams of people, yeah. almost certainly in different locations across the world. And, and that's the case in this instance, too. So Rational Games uh, were, for a short period of time, 2K Boston. Uh, they were also uh, had, like, a subsidiary slash, like, assistant uh, developing studio in Australia that then was called 2K Australia for a short while as well right. to kind of go along with that. So yeah, it's a little bit of a, a mishmash really, but for the most part, the the core team that made Bioshock came from the Looking Glass Studio members who yeah. who made the original System Shock and System Shock Two, which is very much the the game series that influenced Bioshock the most. It's almost like a team forming around a game, right? Like it's kind of. Like that is the purpose of this of this team. It's not like I know we've used it as a comparison already and talked about Ubisoft, but it's not like Ubisoft in the sense that like they're really just it's like project based companies, right? Like where the organization is there purely to facilitate making a game or Mm -hmm. a series of games. And that is kind of all that is going on in a way. Yeah, it's a very focused studio. Exactly. They they very much had a primary goal in mind. And although they have worked on different games across the years, Oftentimes those games are usually ports or support for other game studios making the games, etc. So I feel like Looking Glass Studios, Irrational Games, 2K Boston, etc. were kind of well known for basically one line of games, the, the, the shock fan tries effectively. And a lot of this was also sort of led by the sort of more well-known member of the team of Ken Levine. Mm. who was the director of Bioshock, but he was also sort of like a game designer on things like System Shock, and I think he worked on some other stuff as well. I, I'm i not actually much of a fan of him, if I'm perfectly honest. Mm. Like, um, I, I feel a lot of people give him too much praise and compare him too much to some of the other sort of really big name game directors mm. like people compare him to people like kojima and molyneux although he's a bit of a molyneux i guess in the fact that he's a bit eccentric um <laughs> and romero and carmack sort of people i feel he's probably closer to like a todd howard or a neil Druckmann mm. in the he's a again he's a bit of a one-trick pony mm. like it's don't get me wrong it's it's he's good the trick he does is really good and i can't deny the bioshock it's a fantastic game and, and the games surrounding it are also fantastic but they're very similar 
You know, they all have a very similar vibe to them. There's there's not a lot of diversity there. Mm. So I, I don't feel he deserves that level of reputation I feel he has. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm being a little bit unfair, but... Uh, yeah, I, I, I know. Obviously, I know I'm biased, but he ain't no Kojima. Put it that way. <laughs> mm. It's also interesting, isn't it? Like you know, the, the Irrational Games is now rebranded as Ghost Story Games, and they've been going for four years, and there's no, they haven't released any games. Mm. Um, I'm sure they're working on something. Wikipedia says that they've got like about thirty employees, um, so they must be doing something. But again, it's that like staying small, like small focus studio presumably mm. focused on something right now like not sort of like turning into this big conglomerate or ever being a big kind of conglomerate. yeah i mean they, i know they downside quite significantly when they went from irrational to ghost mm. story games they went from like 90 people to like 15 people or something mm. so yeah you can see that it's very much a, a core group of people who want to create like a particular thing i mm. guess yeah um, which is not necessarily a bad thing by any means it, like say it's it's very much the opposite of the, the giant games corporations that you have in things like ea and ubisoft yeah. and then to some extent things like nintendo and stuff like that as well yeah. but They've been made quite a few games over the years that all have a similar sort of vibe, and they've also been inspired by similar games too. Mm. And I think the most obvious one is the System Shock comparison with Bioshock, because that's very much his predecessor, I would say. It's very much his spiritual predecessor. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the clue is even in the name, right? Like like System Shock and Bioshock. Like, there's, the naming convention is there, even if mm. it's just not quite the same. I never actually played any System Shock or System Shock 2. They're a bit before i guess i guess system shock 2 isn't was in 1999 but they definitely passed me by it was definitely that period where i wasn't so involved like i was way too young to be involved in kind of pc gaming beyond age of empires i think yeah (laughs) yeah the they were a little bit before our time i feel and Mm. they were i feel they were a little bit ahead of their time as well especially the first game in that it was really trying to do something particular. It was trying to tell a bit of a nuanced story. It was trying to do sort of like an interesting puzzle-based FPS-style game. Mm-hmm. It almost felt like a more like real-time version of something like Mist or like another sort of one of those like very uh, ambient right. point-click adventure-style games. Yeah, and it was it was well received. It didn't sell amazingly well, if I'm honest with you, but it was mm. still well received. I feel the initial kernel of an idea was there. You know, the the idea of this sort of like very world narrative driven game uh, was shining through at this point. And Mm. that you can see when they kind of redid it almost in System Shock 2, Mm. but really sort of got the, got it right this time. They, They had a much more firm grasp on the technology and the the way in which it was made and it looks a lot nicer it plays a lot smoother i mean don't be wrong by today's standards it looks awful <laughs> you know mm-hmm. it was from that sort of like early 2000s like late 90s early 2000s sort of polygonal era where like everything sort of looks like five triangles pushed together to make a face yes um, <laughs> it was from that era of games so if you squint really hard it doesn't look too bad yeah but the, the I, that's sort of irrelevant the actual game itself was really really fantastic it's kind of basically just bioshock if i'm yeah. honest but they've got a lot more they've got a lot more like full grasp on how to create the game they clearly wanted to make at this point and it sold really well as well yeah yeah and the there's a few other games as well right that's sort of like as we get closer to bioshock's release are clearly influences and sort of working towards them things like 
Deus Ex as well, um, and also to some extent Half Life, right? Mm. Like I, I really think that Half Life and Half Life Two, like Bioshock, is very like cinematic, and we'll talk a lot about that in a, um in the episode. But like the definitely elements of Half Life and Half Life Two, whilst traditional, more traditional kind of FPS combat if you ignore the physics in half-life 2 mm. like definitely have that kind of influence like the game is um is playing out without cutscenes. you know it's all first person all the time you know that kind of style i feel like bioshock and, and system shocker kind of like deus ex and half-life mixed together almost mm. because deus ex is a lot slower it's a lot more rpg focused yes. although it's first person it's still a lot more like puzzle rpg stat focus whereas half-life at this core is still very much a first person shooter mm. and i feel like they are very much kind of melded together to create sort of like the system shock bioshock centric mm. of games and one of the other influences that the game has was Resident Evil. Mm. The sort of original three games, like Resident Evil 1, 2, and 3, and like Code Veronica, and, and one of the other ones, I can't remember, they all spin off names, if I'm honest with you, there's so many of them. Mm. Um, they all very much informed the the body horror, claustrophobic style, like, of environment and sort of like that scare factor. Mm. And then they also use Resident Evil 4 as a way of sort of like creating the encounters within the game as well. Mm-hmm. Um, had that sort of sense of like an open world that wasn't open, if that makes sense. Like it, it gave you that sense of exploration and things were happening behind the door that you weren't necessarily able to go through uh, right. like Resi 4 did. Um, right. And all these games culminated effectively into the original Bioshock. Yeah, exactly. And... That came out in 2007. And actually, did we talk about it on our year of gaming 2007? Like, did Yeah, I we think we probably did. Yeah, I, I remember it was one of the games that was quite big that year. Mm, uh, oh, it yeah. got overshadowed by some other games too, in fairness, because there was some, it was a hell of a year. But go and check out that episode, episode 54 of our year mm. in gaming 2007. Yeah. But yeah, like I'm pretty sure we already mentioned it once or twice, but we'll, we'll certainly go into more detail now. Yeah, and I think like the... What really made bioshock stand out immediately was the setting right like Mm, that like mm. the concept of this like underwater city kind of like frozen in a particular theme and and also just that whole concept right the whole concept and this idea of like this like completely isolated community being built around certain ideals right and 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 like thoughts about society and how people live and and work and etc etc like that was was completely fresh right Mm. like it's such a such a unique idea like there are so many unique ideas in the bioshock world that had not really been seen in very many video games or or films or anything especially ones in which were quite well known i feel Mm. like I feel like certain games had done a very similar sort of like style of claustrophobic, isolated environments or looking into some of the more interesting elements of like ideology and, mm. and personal philosophy within their games. But this one was a triple A title right. and right. it was putting it front and center. Like the setting was almost the main character, if that makes sense. Like Rapture the City 
is sort of like the main mm. character within the game itself and and it does such a good job of portraying what it tries to do i, I watched a developer's interview uh, about bioshock and one of the things they said was that rapture was created because they didn't want to just do another spaceship basically because right. yeah. <laughs> they wanted an isolated environment which they could sort of have the player sort of move through but also be cut off from outside world but they didn't want to make another spaceship and they wanted to make it feel like it was still things were still outside of you but you were completely mm. unable to connect to them yeah so the idea of having it underwater was was born from that and then right. sort of they built the game from from there almost so in a way like the city of rapture wasn't even intended at first but as they sort of like got that initial idea of uh an underwater isolated city the rest of it sprung up around it and right it, it really adds to the the success of bioshock in my opinion it's also like important to remember that in 2007 we didn't really have a strong or indeed very very little in terms of like indie gaming right no which is the traditional like sector of video games that explores interesting concepts and sort of complex ideas and complex storylines and complicated characters so this is like you know, you've not even got indie games to compare to, let alone AAAs. And I think that that was really what, you know, set Bioshock apart, right? Was this mm. complicated story, effectively, like complicated ideas, complicated thoughts and setting, admittedly wrapped around a sort of more traditional, like, first-person shooter. Admittedly, mm. there were some interesting things that they did with the first-person shooter, but ultimately, like shooting things is a very like traditional inverted commas gameplay right like yeah. like it's very like standard like everyone knows yes. what how to shoot things mm -hmm. and and they use that as a method of giving you a game to simply play through this wonderful world right exactly exactly you know? like the gameplay certainly wasn't the the focus here like the the set pieces and the game design of play certainly wasn't at the forefront like it is say for example in half-life right you know where that is very much the most important element of things like how does the game play like how does the player move through the world and interact with things and stuff like that the game was almost there to allow you to explore rapture and its characters and its ideas and i feel it does a pretty good job of that like at times i feel the game is a bit too easy mm. honestly even mm. on harder difficulties it's a bit easy like you're given an absolutely insane amount of resources to work with yeah um, and the enemies aren't super tough honestly they're not particularly like they don't they don't challenge your ability to do anything particularly like they're not yeah they're not like say like a dark soul style game where like no. every enemy has to be sort of dealt with in a particular way they all sort of just have the same weakness of being shot in the face. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and that's not to say it isn't gratifying. Don't yeah, get me wrong. Yeah, it's yeah. nice. But it, it after a while, it just becomes a little bit monotonous and a little bit right. sort of like, yep, yeah, I'm just going to kill these dudes and carry on. Exactly, exactly. And there's a couple of other things as well that I think Bioshock doesn't quite do as well as, like, it almost feels like it could have left them behind or or, or improved upon them. One is that, it sort of like tries a little bit to be an RPG. Like there's a little bit of like mm. progression and like unlocking things and stuff like that, but it never really, it never quite like, like there isn't like, it's not an RPG, right? There's no like, there's no complicated 
sophisticated enough RPG mechanics. Like there are no, like that, things that, that you unlock and stuff. I think like you that. very much hate it just there where you say it's not sophisticated enough really to make yeah. it worthwhile. Like you have the ability to have sort of like the the, the tonics that yeah. change some stats about you. Which is kind of nice, but they're also sort of like awkward to change. They they're very limited in what they really do change. Like you can make it so like you're more powerful with like the melee weapon, or your plasmids do like a little bit more one thing or another, etc. So you can like slightly specialize, but honestly, you're just specializing in in ways in which you do the same thing, which is just kill the dudes, right? Um, and it doesn't really change the way in which you do kill the dudes. It just is a different on-screen effect effectively yeah exactly and the other thing i think is that it's meant to have a morality like decision system Mm. right with like killing or saving the little sisters but it isn't a thing right because if you save them you get more it's better better to save them so you have no real incentive to not save them Mm -hmm. and so there isn't really a decision. And I guess that's kind of the theme as well. Like there isn't, a, ultimately nothing is, you're not deciding anything. Like that's kind of the point of the of the twist. Um, yes. But I don't imagine that was intentional when it came to the morality no, system. I think they were actually honest. trying to have a morality system. Yeah, and, and it's just like, uh, ironically, they managed to get a, get that to kind of loop into yeah. the main storyline. And it's weird twist. how a lot, so much of the story is complex and interesting, but then on that, on the morality side, like the like decision-making side of things, it's like, mm. no, there isn't anything. Um, no. That also tied into the game's ending as well. It was, the the ending was almost the, the worst element of the game. It was very mm. lackluster. Mm. It felt like they, they had this really great story to tell, but they had no idea on how to actually finish a story yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, they almost just wanted to go, look at these really interesting ideas we have. And then there's a story somewhere there. Yeah. Uh, like the end boss is basically just like a roided up human um, yeah. that you just sort of shoot a lot. And then whether or not you were good or bad sort of determines whether or not you got like the, the ridiculously sappy ending or like the you're now like super evil Skeletor <laughs> yeah dude you know exactly. um it, there was a lot not any nuance there at all which is a shame because otherwise the game is quite nuanced in the idea of like uh because it talks about like different political ideologies of mm. like utilitarianism and libertarianism but also the idea of like is religion a place in society is mm. you know so what should you do regarding censorship and stuff like that like that's really interesting and that is quite nuanced and you can draw sort of like gray areas from that but then the game just sort of like you're either a really good guy or a really bad guy and that's yeah. that's the extent of the decisions you make exactly exactly um the i will admit that like i really enjoyed bioshock when bioshock 2 came out i completely it completely passed me by I, I I did not have any interest. I think that I felt like I was done with Rapture after playing mm. Bioshock One, and I wasn't. It felt to me like such a like from the outside. It felt like such a Bioshock One point five, and I was like, I don't really yeah. want to go into that underwater city and play again. Like I've kind of I've done it now. Like the the set piece is finished for me. And honestly, that was sort of the general feel of it for most people too and including the development team of the original game Mm. it it wasn't really wanted to be made and it didn't need to be made it was very Mm. much a let's capitalize on the success of bioshock and make another game and make some more money yeah Uh, and it it was Uh, doing the research for this episode i actually now think about it a lot more fondly than i thought i did which is weird like usually you have look back with rose tinted glasses but in this instance i was looking back at like I don't know, poop stained glasses. What what the other, uh, the opposite of that. The opposite of roasted to glasses. Yeah. yeah, um, But I actually 
remember quite enjoying it now I think about it and I think it was better than I was giving it credit for but I feel it was just because I was enjoying the game rather than the story this time right weirdly enough like the gameplay was a little bit more chunky uh you played as a big daddy the sort of one of the main antagonists or rather main sort of like combat enemies I guess yes in the first game you feel a lot more weighty the 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 combat is a little bit more varied there's a bit more variation in enemy types and weaponry and stuff like that um there's a there's a lot more emphasis on some more like interesting enemy encounters with the the big sisters mm. the equivalent of the big daddies so in that regards like the actual gameplay was probably more enjoyable and i remember right. it being a bit shorter as well like, which was actually a criticism i had at bioshock was that the game felt a little bit padded out at times like mm. there was a lot of like go here you can't go any further go and get the macguffin to open up the path to go further yeah, that's true. there's a lot of that and there although there is still some of that in bioshock 2 it it's just a shorter game overall i don't think it overstays its welcome it's funny isn't it because none of them are particularly long so to think that like they've padded it out is kind of interesting like it had to be like i wonder if that's like because it was triple a like they sort of felt like they needed to make sure there was enough length there i think that's exactly what it is i feel like they they had the story and they had the the world and the messages they want to tell but like we already said in the first game they didn't really have a game to go along with it necessarily Mm -hmm. and they sort of felt like they had they made the game but they need to make it longer to make it worth the price i guess yeah and i i just i feel bioshock 2 wasn't as bad as i thought it was possibly because it didn't have as long to be made either it was only made in the space of like two and a bit years i think right obviously building off of the the original game in terms of things like engines and assets and stuff yeah, like that definitely. But, um yeah it, it's it's good it, it it has it follows on from the original story so yep. it kind of follows on from the main character from bioshock your character leaving effectively right um, and then it follows like a new villain and like a new story and it it focuses more on the characters rather than the world which right. i think is actually quite good because one of the things that did struggle in bioshock the original was the fact that the characters outside of maybe like the two main antagonists i guess you both antagonists really hmm. there wasn't really any whereas in this instance there was actually interaction between people um and it felt like there was actually some stake for you in this as well Mm. yeah i mean it was definitely bioshock felt like there isn't like you're definitely not really interacting a lot with anyone right um so interesting that they kind of added a bit more of that and i guess like i said like i was done with rapture like the environment has been done right so to focus more a little bit more on like the characters and a bit more on the gameplay makes sense right you can't Mm. you can't do that same rapture is rapture reveal again kind of thing yeah that's a good point because i suppose that that initial reveal of like going through the bathysphere and showing the underwater city and stuff like that for the first time which i experienced through a demo and you play Mm. through sort of like the initial um like tutorial areas effectively in a demo was really good and very that's what made me buy the game on release sort of thing and so the demo did its job you know Mm. Mm. but like you say i suppose you can only do that once and most people who are playing bioshock 2 have probably played the first one right yeah because it was such a direct sequel as well so yeah not as bad as i remember it being but it certainly wasn't what the developers wanted to make either because that was evidence in the fact that they then proceeded to make the game they wanted to make afterwards which was bioshock infinite yeah which was the third game i remember there being quite a lot of hype about bioshock infinite Mm. if i was if i was irrational games i would have definitely been concerned about making another Bioshock game like quite a bit after the first one you're like six years after and 
like having a new setting and just yeah like bioshock did feel like it was so well received and so much of an essential purchase for people mm. so like by this point you've you're in this situation where so many people are going to buy this game because yes, the first one yeah. was a must buy and so a lot of people are going to be like it's bioshock i need it like i'm just going to buy it so there was definitely i felt like from the outside obviously i felt like the pressure was on right to make mm. something that is really interesting and also you know because bioshock was such an interesting setting and the story was interesting and the twist was interesting so to speak like mm. you it's like man you've got to make like another you've got to try and do that again like yeah. how do you do that like sense of wonder about a new area how do you do the sense of uh, like a maze i guess about mm. like the story and the and the and the way the story develops um and yeah like bioshock infinite definitely i think by putting it in like it's like an airborne city right um, yes it's like on like big balloons effectively like and, uh, dirigibles yeah. it's like okay yep you, i mean you did it like you found like a suitably like crazy environments um, i feel like they probably have the same question right it's like how do we make yeah. an isolated environment that isn't a spaceship or underwater yeah they're like what else is isolated the sky, the sky. <laughs> <laughs> which is cool and again i feel like they basically took the same pro approach to making the magic of rapture to make the magic of columbia right. right um they set it in a slightly different time period so it's actually older so it's set in 1912 yes which was brave because it made it harder to justify some of the technology because at least in like mm -hmm. 1950 i think it's like 1959 or 1958 or something that the original game is set in 1960 whatever you've got there's some semblance of modern technology at this point like there are electronics at this point to some extent and mm -hmm. you know things like that 1912 we hadn't really even invented air travel like planes yet right <laughs> you know yeah. so that was brave of them yeah there's a lot of like disbelief suspending right it, i don't think because in a way apart from the theme i've always felt like the bioshock games are kind of pulled out of time in the sense yes. that like you know because they're isolated they can then use a certain theme and setting from an era but you almost can't tell kind of thing if that makes sense yeah. like it almost doesn't matter and yeah so like definitely new area and i think it's interesting because in some ways there's a lot of reuse of bioshock or a lot of similarities right in the sense that it's like it's still a cinematic fps everything is still done in you know there's no cutscenes. some of the gameplay like the combat is still fairly similar in ways you have like plasmids except they're called vigors this time like mm. i think that was probably for me was a little bit like oh, really like you just like yeah you know, i mean it, it felt worked like one, they, it worked twice you're gonna do it again sort of thing pretty much it feels like they went we need to kind of still have this sort of like weapons and powers right like dynamic because it was important for the way that the combat like it's part of why the combat was good right and like the combat isn't amazing in any of these games like it's just it's good but if you took one of those away if you took plasmids or vigors away then it would have really struggled. <laughs> yeah, it would have been a much more basic run gun right. shooter. Right. Um, I mean, Infinite did a much better job with its combat, in my opinion, because it was a lot faster paced. Yes, like the original true. two Bioshocks were quite slow. It's also more enemies, right, and more open. Like it like, was a lot more open, a lot more yeah. enemies, a lot more vari variation in enemies as well. Yes, um, that's true. Weapons felt a little bit more dynamic and mm. unique. Um, 
I actually thought the Vigors were a little bit bland, if I'm honest with you, mm. compared to some of the interesting Plasmid powers. I, I, just, I remember there's like a Crows thing, like a Murder yes, of Crows yeah. figure. Like, it was very yeah. powerful. Um, <laughs> I think, honestly, the best thing they added in terms of the gameplay and the combat was the Skyrail mechanic. Yes, yeah. Like, that adds a lot of verticality, which is mm. something that obviously is really hard to do in a first-person game anyway. Yes. But it also adds a lot of speed to, mm-hmm. like, it allows you to move around these relatively large battlefields a lot faster. And it feels like you're really having this, like, giant battle as opposed to sort of like this relatively small scripted fight. That's true. That's true. A lot of the a lot of the combat takes place over much more open areas, doesn't it, compared mm. to the first two. And it's a lot more about groups of enemies rather than single enemies mm. um, and things like that. Although there are sort of single enemy kind of boss boss enemies as well but because um, you're so much more agile and maneuverable mm. you feel like you have a lot more agency over how you approach those situations yeah. rather than sort of like brute forcing your way through yeah and i think that obviously the 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 thing we haven't really spoken about is that in bioshock infinite you've got a supporting character right mm. like so your character actually talks right which is yeah. <laughs> which didn't happen in the first bioshock really because although in the first bioshock and more so in bioshock 2 the, the the character you play as isn't a gordon freeman he's not a, a mute no. non-playable like non-interactive part of the story he the jack and big daddy slash delta subject delta were characters but they were still very much minor parts if yeah. that makes sense yeah yeah, yeah. whereas in infinite Booker is a, a main character and he right. interacts with the story throughout the entire instance. Yes. In fact, if any, in some, like the story is also about him, right? Like, yes. like yeah. it's, it's so much more focused on, on him as a character and then the supporting character, right? Elizabeth, like that's the, the premise is that you're going to this place to, to rescue Elizabeth who is trapped there. Um, and you spend most of the game traveling with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting because, Something that I felt about this is like supporting characters has always been really tough in video games. Oh, yeah. Right? Like having a character follow you along and then they like get hurt or like they <laughs> get stuck and you have to go and g- g- get them and all of this kind of stuff. Like it's always been a real challenge. I think to the do. perfect example for that mm-hmm. is considering the fact that Bioshock was influenced by it is Resident Evil 4 with right. Ashley. Right. Like that's the quintessential like supporting character you really really don't want to have to look after. Right, exactly, exactly. And this was one of the few times and even now it's like I think a lot of games have improved if they have got a supporting character and I and think, often copied this formula. Yeah, honestly. because I think Bioshock Infinite really like did it right. And I imagine it, that they spent a lot of time from a technical point of view making sure that Elizabeth felt right mm. because they clearly do a lot of tricks, right? She's not really vulnerable, right? In the no. sense that, like, she can't... I, I don't... Could she get shot? She, the enemies don't even recognise she's there, honestly. Like, sometimes right. she'll hide next to them, honestly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, Which is not ideal, but in the heat of the moment, you don't even notice it most of the right. time. So you, like, don't need to do any... Like, she, you don't need to, like, look after her. They no. do the classic, like, when your camera... When your back is turned, she she moves to where she needs to be kind of yes. thing. Like, yeah, like she'll, she'll teleport, teleport around. around. Yeah which is much needed, obviously, when you've got things like sky rails and you're flying around all over the place. Like, she just follows you without actually following you, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. It reminds me, I don't know why I feel that this is similar. It it just reminds me of it so much. In Cyberpunk 2077, right, there's a lot of, like, jokes about how when you spin around, all the NPCs will disappear. 
You know, like right. if you like shoot and then turn around and turn back, everyone who was running away from you will disappear because right. the game has changed into like combat phase, right? And so it sort of like removes all of the random NPCs and then gotcha. the police start spawning and you can like turn around again and now there's police there and things like that. <laughs> and it reminds me of that. Like this is this is that but done well in the mm. sense that like you turn away, you turn back and she's in and she's in the right place. Right. <laughs> like they they also did a fantastic job of incorporating her into the gameplay yes, though by absolutely. allowing you to uh, supporting you with say for example like ammo or med kits right. at like vital moments. And that's sometimes maybe a little bit too frequently of a monitor, which makes the game a bit easy at times. It does, but again, that's like the same trick as like Mario Kart, right? In this, mm. like their rubber band, it's like rubber banding, rubber banding for combat. You, yeah. yeah, because when you're low on health, she will be like, "Here's a health pack." When you're low on yeah. ammo, she'll be like, "Here's some ammo." So, yeah, but it's always like just you're so long as you don't kind of like catch on. It helps in if anything, like yeah. increase the pace because it keeps it things flowing, but also yeah. still feels like you're on the edge of sort mm-hmm. of like gonna be okay, and she just rescues you, kind of yeah. thing. Uh, and she, so she's part of the the combat encounters, but without being in your way, right? Right. Which is is so useful because honestly, the amount of games where you have to like babysit someone, yeah, or like do the uh, the escort missions and stuff is awful, right? But, exactly. Yeah, Elizabeth is, is probably one of the first and still probably one of the best examples of like a supporting character that feels useful isn't in the way but doesn't necessarily feel like kind of god tier mode sort of thing either yeah they they managed to sort of balance that like she's vulnerable but she isn't really vulnerable sort of thing you know yeah exactly Um, exactly we could definitely go on about the, the the cleverness of the AI for Elizabeth and the way mm. in which the implements do it a lot. But she's also just a really great character, too. Mm. Um, she's very much like the main character outside of Booker, I guess. I wouldn't even say she was a supporting character. I'd say she's like the other main character, yeah. effectively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the story is, is as much about her as it is about Booker. And I feel they did a really good job of making these people interesting and, and unique. To her. They're not just a single trope or a single yeah defining characteristic they are kind of fairly well-rounded people interesting people i tell you what it reminds me of now just thinking about it because one of the when we were talking about like oh what games have been influenced by bioshock and one of them right is last of us and there's sort of, you know, there's yeah. definitely a similarity there with like yeah, Joel between and Ellie. Joel and Ellie and Booker and Elizabeth. Yeah, there's definitely a similarity there. I'd be very surprised if that wasn't influenced, if I'm honest. Yeah, um, I think we mentioned like, oh, with with the pressure with Bioshock Infinite of like doing an interesting story and and doing the same thing as Bioshock, you know, tackling interesting ideas and also like having some kind of twist, right? Which like everyone was expecting with Bioshock Infinite and. It definitely did a good job of tackling interest, like difficult um, concepts. In fact, like if I remember rightly, right early on in the game, there's like a race. You know, there's like a, a, a really strong racial thing about like there's like a white man and a there's like a white person and a black person, right? And you've yeah. got to like choose who to. Is it like choose who to throw something at? I can't yeah, remember, you like, were like being encouraged like throw a tomato at like an interracial couple effectively. Right, and then you can either it, yeah, choose yeah, to yeah. do it or you can choose to sort of like throw it back in the face of the person that's doing it to you. But then when you try and do make that choice, the choice is made for you. But the right. point is, is the choice is the, the illusion of choice is given to you. Yeah. And that like there's a lot of that, right? There's a lot of like topics and there's a lot about religion as well and sort of you know, all kinds of interesting things, which is good. But. I feel like in the end, the story is become so like metaphysical and so mm, good like point. 
it it gets so far up its own backsides in a way <laughs> that it just doesn't for me it doesn't really achieve that same really great sort of like everything clicks into place mm. um twist you know that sort of style like when you've got a story where like you know something gets revealed and you're like oh everything makes yeah. sense now it's it's more like something gets revealed and you're like wait is that does that mean does that mean this is that yeah. like you're, yeah, yeah. you're like confused about it and like you end up having to like google to really understand like what is it trying <laughs> to like what is it trying to tell me right like what is what are the themes here are just not super obvious like braid is another example right where like at the end mm, of braid it changes the sort of the way in which you experience the whole game in yeah. retrospect yeah. yeah and you're like oh I, do i get it i think i have i understood <laughs> this right like i'm not sure sort of thing um and like it's good. i feel it's, the original bioshock ending, probably but... did a better job of that because yes the original twist in Bioshock is is a is a proper masterpiece, right? Right. Um, and I don't feel there is like a, a one singular twist moment in in Bioshock Infinite. I feel like the game builds into it slower rather than immediately. Yeah. But like you say, I think that's a really good point in that initially the game presents it this really interesting sort of economic and political problems with like the social environment, say nineteen twelve, of like the racial tendencies mm. and the the religious issues. But it does sort of like end up forgetting them when it starts looking at the more metaphysical element of it. Yeah. So the whole point of Infinite is that it's all about sort of like a metaverse and, a, and a multiple realities and things like this, which is not a bad thing at all. It's Again, it's an interesting topic to sort of like look into and the story of like Elizabeth and Booker and Comstock, etc. is interesting. Mm. But it's almost like the the racial social inequality aspect of it is sort of like forgotten about it's like okay we, this is just to move the plot forward for to give com- combat opportunities almost yeah. whereas yeah. like the ideas of say for example rapture's utilitarian and libertarianism was very much core to the whole experience yeah i think it is quite cool that they kind of tie the games together right with the like metaverse mm. side of things like because mm. i think i can't remember it now but there's like some allusion to to rapture right in the in the ending like and in the way well, it yeah ends. i mean you go there don't you when you're like fighting the songbird and you, right uh, yeah, yeah 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 like uh, elizabeth like t- opens a tear and yes. takes you into rapture for example and there's the whole uh burial at sea dlc as well which is almost its own game effectively it's like i've, its no, own... I've not played that so it, it's it is still bioshock infinite it's, it's part of its dlc but it's, it might as well be its own game i think they did a really good job of it and again mm. it's sort of like another multiverse version of, of bioshock infinite where you're in rapture this time and right. the characters are the same but different and yeah but I, I think you're right in the sense that maybe it does get a little bit too pretentious towards the end, yes. towards its like idea of metaphysics and sort of like, um, can you ever truly be redeemed of your sins because your sins have occurred in other realities and stuff like that? Hey, yeah, maybe it should have focused on one element of it rather than trying to do too much. But it was still a very memorable game. And I feel yes. like it was, I think it's probably the best of the three to play. Yeah, I would say But maybe so. not the most realised story story like the first one was i don't mm. know yeah i agree but that was basically the the lineage of bioshock it's a relatively short lineage but i feel it's it's got some real meat to it um mm. and it was influenced by many things but it has influenced many things since then as well one of the things you asked me when we were doing the notes was like what what has bioshock achieved and one mm. of the things that it's done is it's very much pushed sort of like larger topic issues with cinematic gameplay to the front forefront of like the AAA industry. Yeah. Like I feel like many games before this sort of era of 2007 with things like Bioshock, 
you either had sort of like smaller, maybe not indie games, because like you say at that point, maybe indie games weren't so much a thing, but like smaller development games or indie games then subsequently were the only ones that sort of tackled interesting topics and subjects matters. Whereas now it feels like most games try and put like a story front and center and build the gameplay mm-hmm. around it from there. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting to think that in those, in that like early Bioshock, the first Bioshock, that like really story driven you know, cinematic gameplay, some story-driven narrative in the game, in games, just wasn't as much of a ubiquitous thing that it is now. And a lot of that is definitely down to Bioshock. Mm. And I think even like, like we've talked about, especially with Infinite, like some of the like complex sort of difficult concepts and, and challenges and sort of getting you to think about things and, and treating the player as, as someone Mm. who is intelligent, right? I don't think that's really a huge thing no. even now, right? Like even, you know, maybe in, in the indie land it is a bit, but even anywhere, I don't think that there is really that many games that like really expect you to like pay attention. understand yeah. yeah, and pay attention to like complicated yeah. things. It, it's almost sort of like a Netflix miniseries in the sense that it like, it doesn't patronize you. Like it, it, it yeah. wants to tell its story and its ideas and themes. Right. And it doesn't exactly. try and like, you know, make them simpler or put them in no. the background to simply allow you to go, yes, here's the big explosions. And then the people are actually yeah. paying attention because sort of work it out, which I feel is what they try and do in things maybe like the Souls games, for example, where they do all the stuff in the background and just have like mm. the immediate, like fight the big story demon type of thing in the forefront. Right. Um, it yeah, feels yeah, like yeah. it doesn't almost, it's not trying to hide. Yeah, what exactly. It is. Exactly. It, yeah, exactly. It's not trying to hide it for the sake of like increased accessibility. Mm, exactly. Right? Yeah. Which for a triple A game, you know, big budget games that expect to sell a lot, I think is, is, yeah, it must have been a challenge to, Market, to win yeah. over the, the publishers. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, I can see um, a big boardroom of people going, yes, but when do they kill the big bad? <laughs> yeah exactly exactly yeah so i don't know like are they making another one like will we ever see another mm. bioshock game it's interesting it, uh, only in doing this did i really think about that and thought hang on like we've not had a bioshock game for like eight years mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like i guess similar sort of like story done. with uh, half-life again as well like that era of game mm. games is maybe now past because games are now incorporating them more naturally into themselves rather than having a whole game surrounding the idea of, like, concepts. Yeah, interesting. That was a nice little trip down memory lane for Bioshock. Um, I... I always respected the game series and I enjoyed them, but I, now looking back on it and doing the research for it, it made me sort of realize that I actually had a really good time with the series. Like every time I played mm. it, like even especially with two, that I thought I didn't really like, but I ended up realizing I probably did like it. Um, yeah. I'm sure we've missed some bits and bobs, like the interesting facts and, and things about the game series that uh, we've not had time to print to. We've already gone over time in fairness. So if we have missed anything you think is worthwhile mentioning, maybe we can do like a soundbite of like things we missed sort of thing, like a cutting room floor edition of mm. this uh, retrospective. Uh, and yes. let us know what we've missed as well. Get in contact with us and we'll maybe make like a small little soundbite on it. Yeah, absolutely. Let us know. Um, you can send us an email, show at octal.fm or a tweet at octal.fm or you can get us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash octal.fm. Mm. Yep. And if there's another game series as well that you'd like us to do a retrospective on, then let us know. Otherwise, we'll have to. Th- I'll have to put my head together and try and think <laughs> of another one again. That was fun. I enjoyed that. Mm. We hope you uh, look forward to our next retrospective episode. Um, but until then, I'm Sefran. And I'm Gelada. And catch us again for another episode of Oxl FM very soon. Mm.
and catch you again for another Octal FM soundbite. It's not a soundbite. No. That's weird. Why did I say that? Because I was talking about soundbite. And catch you again for another episode. Uh, hey, we've not had some outtakes for a while. That's all I'm doing. It yeah, for. yeah, I'm doing yeah. Got to do a few. Yeah. <laughs>